So, Scotty, uh, you know, far be it from me to be a grumpy old man, but I'm a grumpy old man today. You know why? Well, let me tell you, son, I just do not enjoy this daylight savings time snuff. I had to, to make a, a, a phone call with some people in Athens, and it had been scheduled for last week where I would have talked to them at the glorious time of 10 o'clock in the evening, my time. But thanks to joy, daylight savings time, I had to stay up an extra hour last night, and it, it, it threw me off. But I've been thrown off since Sunday morning anyway. Why did you why did you impose this upon us? Can we not blame the British for this? I'm sure we can, although I think you chose to adopt it, didn't you? I don't think it was forced on you. And anyway, you you kicked us out. It's all your own fault now. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, it is a problem, though, isn't it? I mean, because uh, I mean, now we're recording and um, it should have been an hour uh, earlier for me. Now we already record at 6 a.m. and 5 a.m. was feeling pretty horrific so you've very generously stayed up half an hour later we've gone in the middle so it's a 5 30 a.m as we record this this week um all my clients or not all but a, a, a good portion of my clients are on the west coast of the u.s so yes every every regular uh weekly meeting i have is an hour out of sync to where it normally is um and uh, all the things there and i have to say this is this you know so far this week um i've remembered and it's all been good because normally there's this week when i normally miss at least one phone call or one uh skype meeting or something because i've just got it in my head the wrong time and it's and it's all worked you know all worked out wrong so it's um i've been doing okay but yeah it is a it is a bit of a pain but aren't john don't you aren't you enjoying the gloriously uh beautifully light new mornings no because it's darker in the morning i think we we exchanged darker mornings for later evenings and i will say kind of like i got home today and it was still quite bright out in fact it was unseasonably warm while it's snowing and, and the whole northeast of america is is you know under blizzard conditions here in sunny perfect california um things are sunny and perfect but now i have also something else to complain about i'm getting on a plane and going to london next tuesday and normally i would expect to go annoy your ass but in fact we're doing like a dosey do somewhere in, in the mid-atlantic and you're coming to america so thanks scotty yes yes all that uh, wonderful thing oh let's meet up and um there we are i i worked out what dates you were coming over and went the other way but never mind what does that say <laughs> i am over a little bit earlier I, i'm coming friday i've just realized i've got a uh yeah, Friday is going to be interesting. I'm uh, um, traveling, but I'm traveling via Dublin on Friday. And of course, Friday is St. Patrick's Day. So, yeah, I'm changing planes in Dublin and I'm, I'm sure it, uh, I think that's an early flight as well. I think I'll be in Dublin about 7 a.m., 6 a.m. So the bars will be packed at Dublin Airport at 7 a.m. in the morning because <laughs> sure. it's St. No. Patrick's Day. It's one of those weird things, isn't it? Is it the same in, in America? But in this country, it, it's really weird. It doesn't matter what time of day you go to the airport it could be 4 a.m it can be you know, uh, 4 p.m it can be whatever time you like uh, the bars will have groups of guys in there um uh, having having a drinking obviously going off somewhere for you know, a weekend or a day trip or, or all the way back and you know the bar is always full of a group uh, of primarily men i have to say i don't know why it's it's men uh, uh, uh drinking no matter what the time in the morning it is is that the same in u.s airports 
Uh, you know, I haven't noticed because I never, um, I'm never up past my bedtime, and I certainly don't notice what goes on in bars because, as a good Christian man myself, um, I stay away from all temptation. Yeah, I think this week we've really gone off the rails, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> Talking of well, rails, speaking, actually. Oh, oh my God, Scotty! Wow, that was slick. I learned from the best, John. I learned from the best. But uh, well, maybe you'll give me that person's number. Yes. So if you remember last week, I was talking about um, I've been trying to deploy uh, this Rails app I'm working on on Heroku. And it was giving me an error message I couldn't track down. So I was going to start deploying on uh, Linode and, and do it myself. Um, you know, and and you know, server deployment is a reasonably complex uh, affair. Now, I don't want to get into all the ins and outs of um, Rails deployment because I know the vast majority of our listeners are going to be iOS and uh, in, in macOS developers. But you know, many, many um, developers do have to deploy servers as part of their app, um, especially if they're indies and whatever else. So maybe some of this stuff will be a little bit interesting. Um, not a lot, but just a little bit. Uh, so, um, but we won't say too long. But so it's working out having to deploy a server. Or, or multiple servers in, in a Rails app, there's a number of moving parts. Obviously, you need a, a, a database, and it's no matter what size your app, it's pretty. It's normally better to put the database onto a separate machine to, to your application, just for, for lots of different reasons. You can um, basically really close down the access policy. You can make sure that that machine can only be, um, you know, you could put a firewall on that machine that can only be spoken to from um, other machines on your internal network uh, or the internal uh, hosting network anyway, be that Linode or DigitalOcean or whoever, um, which makes it secure, keeps your data secure, stuff like that. But, you know, all these machines require quite a lot of configuration. You know, even though things like Linode have made, um, you know, starting a new Ubuntu or Debian server, you know, a couple of clicks, the default installs of those uh, of those OSs is not ideal for you know running a public facing server application on you you do need to do a whole bunch of stuff just things like you know you shouldn't really be leaving root as your only user you should be creating users that you deploy through so that if people do get in for some reason they don't have root access etc and setting all this stuff up is quite a lot of work and if you're going to set up two three or four servers um, as it might be in the case of, of a lot of apps. So like you might have an app that the application runs on, the app that the um, uh, server, sorry, that the database runs on, and then in my case, uh, maybe a server for Redis or something like that. Um, you know, it gets a bit repetitive. And then if you want to change stuff, change. So I've been looking to automate this process and equally at the same time, find out what good practice is for servers with these things on because you know, I'm not a, um, a sysadmin person. I'm... You know, very much having to follow from the books or the blog posts um, uh, that people do. And in fairness, Linode's documentation on what's good and bad on servers is very, very good. But uh, I've been trying to sort of uh, look at making sure this is automated. If you set up a new server, you don't have to do this again. So I have been relearning um, Chef. Uh, now, I've spoken, I think, about Chef when we were doing, I was doing Viewcast a couple of years ago. And here's, here's the problem. I spent, you know, maybe a day a day and a half learning chef last time haven't used it for two years and i've gone back to having to spend a day a day and a half learning chef again this time because i just not used it enough and so i'm sort of in this sort of 
before I go any further about what it does, I'm in this sort of quandary that I don't know if you ever find with something that you, know, you want to learn something because it's the right thing to do. You want to learn something because it um, it will give you a better result. And this may come with any sort of, um, you know, it could be with a, a, an open source framework or a particular, you know, um, Cocoa or Cocoa Touch library. You want to learn to do things properly and do it well. But the point is you're not going to touch that again, maybe then for another six months or another year, and you're going to, you know, forget it and that becomes frustrating do you have any tactics how you get around that john do you keep notes do you you've just got a great memory or how do, how do you no, cope I, with stuff like that i you know i will admit that uh it was quite some number of years ago and there was a, a guy who worked for us who's probably about the the same age as i am now and i just noticed that he always used to he had like this you know uh he, a document that he that he had in Emacs where he just took notes on everything. I thought, oh, isn't that quaint and sweet? But now, you know, <laughs> now I do the same thing except for I use yeah, I use just a plain text edit document. I just I, I call it a cheat sheet. I have to. I have it for for arcane Git commands like you know you know how to how to rename a branch locally and remotely or, or you know th- things like that. Just stuff that is is you know just if you're not using it every day, of course you're not going to hold on to it. And I I don't know necessarily whether that is a, a an age thing or not. I think that generally speaking, that's just how your brain works. It may be that you have more room when you're younger and stupider because you have done fewer you know stupid things to fill up your brain and after a while you know you you run out of room and you enjoy holding on to the pleasant memories and you only one only has so much storage space so you know the i think of my my little document there as is like external storage it's like put stuff that you you need every now and then but um if you're not using it of course you're not gonna hold on to it yeah, so I mean, it, it so it turns out that I've spent my sort of side project time this week learning stuff as opposed to doing stuff. Now, I guess if this side project, you know, I did learn this stuff as a, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I I guess the reason maybe it went out of my head is because I didn't keep the side project up, and if I'm going to keep the side project up, I may not have an issue there. But it it did, yeah, it it does it did make me sort of think, oh, there must be a better way than this, and it also makes you have to question how effective was that of my time? Would I have been better off, you know, at this stage where the side project isn't, um, you know, necessarily even running or working or off the ground, or I don't know if it's going to be successful um, or successful enough. Would I have been better off just, you know, slapping up a server, running this stuff, not caring if the configuration was good or bad, just getting the thing out there. And that is incredibly tempting. It's, it's like, you know, following the, um, uh, Stack Overflow blog post because it gets uh, a post because it gets something done, um, and with with that view, you know, with the you know uh, comment you know to do fix this later, work out how, what this is doing later type of thing. Um, but experience also says that if something is successful and works out, or and I'm not talking successful as a you know like you know it's a raging success, but actually it just you know things just you know, work at whatever level. That finding time to go back and put things right is firstly incredibly difficult to do because there's always something else new to do. Um, and secondly, once something is live and running and people are on it, not easy to do necessarily, especially in the case of a server. Um, uh, especially, yeah, one of the, the points of of learning something like Chef is, is you can you know, fire up an identical server to something that's running in, in minutes, switch IP addresses and you're done. Um, but of course, if you've done it manually, you can't do that. So um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a... 
you know, is this the best way of spending this very limited amount of time I have on the side project, or, or not? Sort of, sort of, sort of quandary. Um, which is, you know, I'm not saying that's interesting or, or particularly a, a world-shattering problem, but um, yeah, and, and I've quite enjoyed learning the stuff, but it's, um, yeah, it, it, it just makes you think, oh, yeah, I'm not sure this is the best thing. Well, Scotty, I would say this is almost like, you know, being in your, your 20s and going out on a date and bringing a condom. It's the responsible thing to do, but by virtue of doing it, you can almost guarantee you won't need it. <laughs> Do you know what, John? That is not an anecdote I have even thought of to go with this. <laughs> so thank you for thank you for making me think differently too. <laughs> so anyway, just very very quickly, in case anybody's interested, Chef is a, basically a set of uh, command line tools, and and you know a chef expert here is going to. Uh, um, oh, okay. Another sideline. Why why are Unix tools so bloody complicated? Uh, with I know they, it's like Git and everything else. I know Git's more than just Unix, but it's you know with command line options this and you know command line option that and oh this must be in this order and you know it's um uh, it, it's you know I, I've got it. So Chef is called Chef, but you use the command knife and then you it, it's there's a big version where it requires a server or there's a local version so you might put you know something called knife solo um i just get confused even what command to run half the time but uh, you know that's just maybe again that's why i'm not a sysadmin there we are can't even remember these things so i was going to say this is a way of guaranteeing full employment for for people who are otherwise you know brilliant people but utterly social misfits so that they can work at home in their underwear and <laughs> command a pretty penny um dealing with this arcane stuff Everybody who has ever worked in any company knows what I'm talking about. That that you find sysadmins and and they're great, grand, and glorious. But uh, yeah, they, they 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 maintain knowledge of things that you just don't want to have to. So that's why you should go to the vending machine and find yourself a nice Unix sysadmin. Yeah, Chibis, when you work from home like I do, there is no vending machine. Um, mm. And even if there was, it's very unlikely to be a sysadmin by it. Or I want to know what uh, he or she was doing in my house. But never mind. Um, Okay, so so basically, Chef is a set of um, scripts and configuration files, effectively used for um, setting up uh, servers. Um, so you you have recipes. As a chef, you use recipes, and a recipe might be, for example, to uh, um, you you might set up a recipe to deploy a post uh, PostgreSQL um, or a MySQL database. Uh, on a server by itself. But of course, as I've just said, there's far more to deploying a database than just sticking the database on something. You might want to make sure certain firewalls are running, certain things are locked down, certain other software's happening, certain users exist. And so, you know, a, a, a recipe will include a, a whole series of steps and instructions, uh, just like, um, you know, I guess a recipe when you're cooking something, do this, do this, do this, do this. Uh, and those recipes can obviously contain other recipes. And so you would build up a, um, a way that you wanted to do, uh, install a particular server or do something uh, through this whole series of recipe snippets. I'm getting the terminology probably wrong here. But of course, then things have configuration files. Then you won't necessarily want the same configuration file on every um uh, server, so you might set up a template, which has then got variable placeholders in, which then you, means you need attribute files, um, and so basically you can just build up this whole bunch of scripts and files that you can say, okay, I want 
this server deployed here with these settings and this, you know, this bunch of software on there. Um, and then you can override it at the server level. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff called roles. So you could say, actually, this is a database server. So if you're a database, if I say in my script for this node, which is what they call a server, this is going to be a database server. That means you automatically include all these scripts. And it's incredibly powerful. But as you can see, you know, as you can guess, you know, everything relies on things being in the right folder with the right name to make it all work. Um, it, it's someone coming to it. You know, it's quite hard to remember what should be where and find your way around and and, and, and do it all. Um, so I think, you know, I've, I've just about got my core servers type setups working after a week of playing with this stuff. Uh, I say a week, a week of elapsed time. It's not, been, you know, I've not sat here for 40 hours or something on there. So um, it's in there. So I'm just really, I'm hoping that, you know, and it, it's going to make deploying, when I actually come to deploy the servers, the initial system will be four servers, um, you know, it, which is great. I mean, just let's just take a side for a moment there. Four, I can deploy four servers, um, and they're going to be tiny servers to start with. Uh, I will probably make the database server a little bit bigger than the five buck a month server because they just need a bit more memory and things. But, yeah, so let's say for 25 bucks a month, you know, just while these things have been, I can run four good quality effectively servers. I know they're VPSs on the internet. Yeah, you know, what would have that cost me 10 years ago? A lot more. It was a glorious thing to wield so much power all the way from East Bollockshire. It was, yes. And of course, these servers are all over the world and I can load balance them. But anyway, there we are. That's, that'll be enough. It's uh, been going on for 20 minutes now in, in uh, about my, my server woes. And um, it's, uh, it's uh, so... Uh, I, I, it gains nothing for anybody. I've just done my grumpy old man thing. You wanted to be grumpy. I've been sort of half grumpy and bemused and wondering if I'm, I'm doing the right thing. But, uh, but there we go. Well, let me bring some sunshine because uh, I said that I'm going to, to London next week. I'm actually on my way to, to sunny, perfect Athens for a week. And I get to go uh, see how things are going with Orange Grove. And the Orange Grove is expanding. I've, I've talked about this a little bit before, but just in a nutshell, it's a, a project that was originally started by the Dutch Embassy in Athens. And uh, now the Orange Grove is its own standalone NGO and is actually expanding. And uh, so I get to go and, and find out what happened to uh, a number of companies that I, I mentored a couple of years ago. And I get to be a judge for uh, another uh, pitch competition called The Squeeze. And who knows, maybe I can hoodwink some of these people to be a guest and we i can do a you know i can do an episode from 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 the orange grove which i once did uh some number of years ago wouldn't you like that bring some sunshine to the show i think that would be uh, uh, amazing john and then people wouldn't have to listen to me and my server woes <laughs> Yeah, they could talk about you know, the, you know how to make sure that you 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 remove the pork souvlaki from the the charcoal at just the right moment to assure juiciness. Yeah, see that that's 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 information that is really worth having. Um, mm. Personally, I find there. So, how long are you there for? Uh, a week, actually. So I, I arrive on the twenty third, and I'm there through the the thirty first. So excellent, excellent. So, so it's it's, it's yeah. again. We'll we'll talk about it when you get back, but. Um, you know, uh, Greece economically at the moment is an in, you know it is a mess. You know, we look at maybe you know, our economies and think you know there may be trouble ahead with all the things that are going on politically and whatever else. But uh, you know, Greece is a country that is is struggling massively and has done for you know a quite a few years now. But the fact that there is still in that sort of a, a, an indie and a, and a startup culture sort of managing to. Uh, 
or survive at least and you know keep its head above water and maybe even more thriving than that i don't know i look forward to hearing a bit more um it's mm. good but it's you know the countries you know it's it, it's good to hear it's going to be good to hear some positive stories coming out of uh, greece because there's a there's a brit especially anyway you know it tends to all, all we hear is uh the negative stuff about how bad their economy is and how big their debts are and and how unhappy everybody is and unemployment and the rest of it so um some good sunny stories will be will be very good to hear i will shoulder that bird so john we are probably what um three months out from wwdc and just the fact that we can they say we are three months out from um wwdc or two and a half because it was announced a few weeks ago is is, is a strange thing but um not a lot of rumors have started flying around yet uh, in there so i'm going to ask you what do you think is coming uh i think they are going to enter the ar game it was i who was it that uh Jason Kalkanis or something. I, I think I have his newsletter, and he was going on about how awesome uh, AirBuds are. And they said that 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 you know, aside from the fact it's the first you know the Bluetooth uh, headset that actually works flawlessly right away. And I, I wonder. I think I, I, I should know this stuff. I mean, I don't think it's isn't it a pr- proprietary format, you know, or for proprietary wireless protocol. Maybe that's why it works perfectly. They control it all, and they don't have to make any compromises with anyone else. But they said what was interesting about it is that there's a surprising amount of of power and sophistication in them. And I, I didn't you know I don't have these things, um, but that what he was getting at is like you know imagine a couple of years from now when when you know the, the base may have its own uh, 4G uh, radio in it and that all of a sudden you'd you'd be able to you know command a bunch of the power of your phone especially if they got Siri working properly um, and that would that would be, that would be very surprising so. I think that, you know, and then the other thing that was hinting, which I found interesting, is said that this is the first truly kind of innovative, su- successful new product that's been launched in the in the Tim Cook era, that everything else has been kind of, you know, speeds and feeds increase that trades more on careful supply chain management than than, than true innovation. Um, and so that uh, hopefully this is a hint of, of, of new things to come. So I, I will buy that and say, you know, uh, if they do do some type of thing with, 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 glasses of some sort or you know it's not impossible but the the watch was on tim cook's uh uh the watch was on tim cook's watch but uh but i guess it was started before he took over i'm guessing by the timelines and sure and and i and who knows i mean you know these things do work on long cycles i think that that, that again what he said is like everybody i know bought one but nobody practically nobody i know still wears one all despite all the improvements and 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 certainly for fitness uh freaks uh, if you're into it, you're into it, and 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 you should have every reason. But you know, I, I stopped wearing mine a long time ago, um, and I suspect you might have too if you had one. Did you have? One? I know. I've never never bought one because um, I just it's not that I'm against it. I just really don't have a need for it. I mean, I think a lot of people use it for the health kit stuff. I think health kit really is um, a prime reason that people uh, have it. I find them a little bit as an as an old fashioned person. I find them a little bit um ugly but no i've not liked the aesthetics of them that much but that's not my problem it's like i i regularly you know have meetings with people who are are wearing the watches and of course they get notifications when a text comes in or a message comes in and it's quite disconcerting when you're in a meeting and somebody is looking at their watch fairly regularly it's like are you bored of what i'm saying or you Mm. do you not want to get done what we're here and i know what they're actually doing is checking up 
there's not an emergency or um, you know uh, uh, an email that they must deal with straight away coming in, just like they would be if their laptop was open in front of them on the desk and you wouldn't even know they were looking. Um, but is you know, is for someone for whom you know I, I guess the whole act of a watch was telling the time initially. Um, it's uh, just like the whole act of a phone used to be to make a phone call, which is not anymore. Um, you know, it, I find it a little bit uh, culturally. Um, difficult i'm not going to say rude it's not rude but culturally difficult having people keep looking at their watches during meetings but that's that's just me i'm not saying they're being wrong i'm just saying that's something right that, uh, well so 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 thinking about that imagine if if you know the telltale whatever uh stem of 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 the earbuds disappears and it really is just something that's in ear and, and doesn't and it, and whatever starts to disappear in your ear and then you are in the realm of of you know television news anchor who's receiving information in real time in their ear um to 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 tell them about something who knows maybe that's possible maybe that's maybe that that's what they mean by augmented reality it's just audio in your ear um in context yeah that that could be true i mean you do see quite a lot of the earbuds around i mean particularly um i I see less of them around here in the uk uh, but i live rural uk so you know see less tech in general um you definitely in uh, it's quite quite amusing if you walk through you know up certain streets in san francisco where you know maybe an apple bus and a google bus and uh, you know another bus might pick up you can tell um which uh, which queue for the bus in the morning uh, is for is for apple by the volume you know the percentage of the white earbuds <laughs> um, uh, that are in the ears of people in the queue uh, and i think great yeah i mean I I'm not um I wear the standard earbuds that came with the iPhone 6s because I find that they fall out of my ears enough if I'm walking down the street anyway and I'm just going to lose this stuff. I'm not a massive fan of the sound quality of earbuds when I'm in the house or in the gym or something else. I wear over the ear headphones, um, partly because I find them more comfortable and the sound is a thousand times better. Um, if you have a decent quality pair, of course. Um, but yeah, no, but I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think the earbuds are great. Uh, and yeah, it would be interesting if they were the start of a, a something that was really revolutionary as opposed to just, you know, an upgrade to an existing technology. But yeah, I'm not sure. Would, is Dub Dub the place that Apple would launch a product sort of of that nature, brand new these days? I don't know. It's mm. um, Dub Dub is, has become, in, interestingly, for all our stuff about you know glitz and sales, the the Dub Dub keynote has become less and less product focused over the last few years and become more and more. Uh, engineering focused in a news type way for the press um and and for what's going on but oh i don't know maybe last year what was that last year there was the messages stuff yeah i don't know um it's but it seems that ww has become more of a place of here's our latest os um here's the stuff that's going to be in it uh so it's, it's for that sort of thing and it's not a place that i can't remember what the last piece of hardware released at dub dub was um or announced the dub dub would that have been the 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 trash can mac pro I don't know. I 2013. Was, yeah, or maybe wasn't it the Apple TV, the newer-ish Apple TV? I can't remember even. I can't remember. See, but the point is, yeah, are we going to see a new Mac Pro this year? Hmm, don't know. But there we go. It's uh, 
I think, uh, you know, even if Apple were to introduce a new Mac Pro, I, I was about to say that even if Apple introduced a new Mac Pro, uh, it, it would probably not take off because people would be frightened of getting burnt again. But I guess if you've bought a machine and you're going to get three-year life cycle of it, you don't really care if they don't update that machine for three years. It's people buying new ones that do. And there are people still buying the trash can Mac Pros now because they have no alternative to do what they're doing, but in doing so, getting fairly ripped off. But um, uh, ripped off's too strong a word. Um, you know, getting not a good deal for their money. Mm. So I'm not... Um, yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to see this year. In fact, I have no idea. Um, and as we know from previous dub dubs that uh, we've been to together, um, normally any prediction I've made has been um, dismissed and expelled within the first ten minutes of the um, uh, of, of the. In fact, I'm usually late into the keynote when I'm there. When I go, in fact, I, I've I've seen more keynotes, the whole keynotes since not going to dub dub than when I used to go partly because I would never stand in the queue, so I always end up in the overflow room. And Apple um, have never been particularly efficient of getting everyone into the overflow rooms before the keynote started, especially for those of us at the back of the line, one who turned up about 9.30 or whatever. Um, so I've often missed the first 10 minutes of the keynote. And uh, yeah, I remember one year I sat down and I thought, well, not a single one of my predictions was um, was came true or dismissed, but then I realised everything had been dismissed in the first 10 minutes I hadn't seen. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. So then, why don't I just pr- go ahead and, and pre-dismiss all of your predictions, and you just don't even bother doing them? Okay, so my prediction is, I will be surprised if we see new hardware. If we do see new hardware, it might be a Mac Pro, but I'm not expecting it. That's my prediction for for for, and that's a pretty vague and open description. As for what's coming in iOS or OS 10. You know, the operating systems are so mature now. And basically, yeah, remember in the past, you know, it was like, oh, we must see copy and paste. (laughs) (laughs) Surely we must see copy and paste next year. It's like, because there was so, such fundamental things missing from the operating system, uh, you know, which we just, they're so full featured now that virtually anything that Apple introduced into any OS is only going to be needed by a, a, minority i'm going to say it might be a large minority but a minority of users um and so it's quite hard for them to introduce major new things that everybody is going to get really excited about i think i think you're he right he says no i think you're right well john it's been a, a pleasure getting up at 5 a.m to speak to you um, and bore you with server stuff and stuff that's irrelevant. <laughs> there we go. So if people want to console me for having had to listen to your tales of chef and knife, um, where can they do that on the internet? They can do it on Twitter and contact me. Uh, I'm Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And if they want to give you feces, how can they do that, Scotty? They can get me on Twitter as well as MacDevNet. And of course, you can email both of us with feedback at iDeveloper. Dot co and I, you may have noticed john i think um a, a little while ago we hadn't received any feedback for a couple of weeks so i did send a test email address email to the feedback address um just before we started just to make sure it was still working and it is still working so the reality is no one has wanted to speak to us for the last oh, couple of weeks scotty that's so sad I, you should have you should have lied you should have said no oh my god now i realize that uh that I failed to, to keep my mail server up while I was spending all this time getting four Linode servers um, up for a service that nobody's going to use. There was a flood of people who wanted to contact <laughs> us, and they couldn't. 
Oh well. I put it down to John that our our, um, uh, our discussions are so clear, concise, and accurate that no one has anything they can um, take umbrage with about it. There we go. <laughs> okay. Right. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you very much for everyone for listening, and until next time, you take care. <laughs> <laughs>